This episode is brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Learn more about how we can help you with fleet recall management and maintenance updates, as well as capture vehicle history and VIN data. Give VinSmart a call at 1-888-950-9550 or visit us on the web at vinsmart.com slash businesses. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AnvaCast. This week, we're going to be talking a little bit about motorcycle safety, and that's because uh, the month of May is Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month. And I'm pleased to welcome to today's episode, Kara Templeton. Kara is the Director of the Bureau of Driver Licensing at the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. Kara, welcome to your first appearance on the AmbiCast. Well, thank you, Ian. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, but I'm excited to join the podcast today to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart as a motorcycle owner and licensed motorcyclist. Well, that's a great place to start. I'm not even sure that I, I knew that about you. Let's start there. How how long have you been a motorcycle rider for? So I think it's been about five or six years now um, that I've been riding myself. Of course, I've been a passenger in the past, um, but I did decide to take up the hobby on my own. And it's something that I really love to do. And now that the weather's breaking, I can't wait to spend more time out on the road and doing that as safely as I can. What made you want to go ahead and get your motorcycle endorsement? I think it's probably the same for a lot of people. Um, What I just really liked is that feeling of being on a motorcycle. It's just really different than a passenger car because you're not enclosed. It just feels like you're more one of the road and, and one with nature. And it's something that I find relaxing and exciting at the same time. But it just brings me so much joy. And I think, you know, a lot of people that choose to ride do so for the same reasons it's a way of life for many people and it's a love to many. So, and yet all those things that you said, what makes it exciting and enjoyable, the, the exposure, the connection, um, that is also what makes it so much more risky. If that's the right word to call it. Absolutely. You're correct. Um, being on a motorcycle, it is a little bit more risky. Um, we know that the statistics say that if you're involved in a crash on a motorcycle, your chances of dying are actually a lot greater than individuals that are in passenger cars. It also takes a completely different skill set to operate a motorcycle. The whole driving component is much different. So you're right in saying that there are definitely additional risks that come with riding a motorcycle. Talk more about the skill sets, because I have no doubt there's certainly plenty of motorcycle riders and operators out there, some who are listening. But we know just by the fact of the numbers, most people are not motorcycle riders and operators. So for those of us who aren't, how are the skills different in terms of having to operate a motorcycle when compared to just driving a car? Right. Well, thankfully, of course, the rules of the road are are the same with the traffic laws, but the actual handling of the motorcycle is a lot different. When you're on two wheels, as an example, the handling is a lot different. You're going to have to swerve around obstacles. Inclement weather can play a factor in your riding. Um, High winds can work against uh, the operator of a motorcycle. So the rider has to be cognizant of that and they start to feel the wind pick up, be able to react Things like slippery roads, things like gravel on the roads, those affect the operation of motorcycles 
much differently than being in a passenger car. And even some of the logistical things, um, such as on a motorcycle, many motorcycles, not all, but many of them don't have self-canceling turn signals. So you really have to pay attention as a motorcyclist when you are using your turn signal. If you don't have a self-canceling turn signal, you need to turn that off because other motorists can see that and think that you're turning when you're not. So it's just a lot of different things. There's the whole shifting component for those motorcycles that are not automatic. We know that some of them are today, especially like with the three wheels. Right. Um, but it's just, it is just a different world in terms of the operation of it and the different road conditions and how weather can affect you differently. And so talk to us. I know the programs vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but we're going to talk about Pennsylvania's program as a case study. Mm-hmm. What is the agency's role in preparing those riders to have those different skills or at least to make sure they've demonstrated those skills before they get the endorsement? Right. So in Pennsylvania, uh, we've had a motorcycle safety program since the 1980s. And what our program consists of is it's done by an outsourced vendor for our motorcycle training classes. So how the motorcycle rider gets to be licensed Pennsylvania is they do still come to Pennsylvania to one of our driver license centers to get their permit by taking the knowledge test. Once, you know, an individual has the knowledge test, then they would need to take a skills test or they can go through um, our motorcycle safety training program, which actually includes a skills test waiver. And upon successful completion of our motorcycle program, they will be licensed. And, And that class is actually required. I do just want to make this note. That class is actually required for riders under the age of 18. Got it. But if you're over 18, you can choose to either take the class to have the test waived or just come in and take the skills test. That's absolutely correct. And of course, we recommend our training program. In Pennsylvania, it's actually free to any Pennsylvania resident. So it's something that you know our customers can surely take advantage of, not have to pay anything for as long as they're a resident of the Commonwealth and really take advantage of learning how to safely operate that motorcycle. So that's an interesting facet in that there's no cost for the Pennsylvania resident, and yet it's provided by a a third-party provider Mm -hmm. who's likely a private sector organization, I imagine, that's providing that. How does the structure of that work when it's not the state providing the training? Sure. That's a very good question. So first off, we have opened up our motorcycle safety program over the past year to actually include multiple vendors. So this is something new that we're getting into just within the past year, where multiple vendors can choose to provide the motorcycle safety training. Of course, that needs to be approved by PennDOT. It needs to be a PennDOT approved program, but it is open to other vendors. And how they are able to provide that training is with our motorcycle license fees for renewal and for a permit and an initial license. Part of the license fees go to a motorcycle safety education account. And what that account does is it provides funds for everything related to our motorcycle education, whether that be public relations campaigns, um, but it also goes to our training program, which allows the funding to occur for our Pennsylvania residents to be able to take these classes free of charge to them. And out-of-state riders can also take our classes. However, if these would apply for those individuals if they're coming in from out-of-state. 
So they, they would come to your state to take the training, but then they would go back to their home state to take the test or provide the documentation to get their endorsement in their home state. That's correct. What have you found is the trends in Pennsylvania in terms of over 18 where it's a choice? Do you see any data that shows most applicants choose to do the training course and waive the skills test or come in to take the skills test? That's a good question, Ian. And that's actually a question that we've had ourselves taking a look to see who's taking advantage of motorcycle training and is it effective? Are they becoming more of safe drivers? Are there licensed motorcyclists out there who have not taken our training? We're actually just starting to analyze that data as we speak to to do a little bit of research to try to get more data around that so that we can tailor our communication efforts a little better to our customers and our motorcycle riders. Because it seems anecdotally, that motorcycle operators, it's one of the few places where there's actually genuine excitement and interest and they choose to want to go through those programs because they, they recognize the, the different skills that are needed. Right. Just one thing to note along those lines is one of our most recent law changes in the Commonwealth as it pertains to motorcycle is that we now have a law where individuals can only apply for a motorcycle permit within a five-year period. And the whole purpose behind that law is to help push them to that licensing stage where we know that they're getting tested, they have the skills to safely operate the motorcycle, or that, of course, that they're taking one of our training classes to get licensed. So you're right that initially there's a lot of interest. Um, Sometimes, you know, we've seen in the past that certain individuals would keep renewing a permit uh, and and operate a motorcycle that way. But as a safety precaution, the law was changed to try to push them to make sure that they're really obtaining that motorcycle license and demonstrating that they have the skills to operate it. And what did you find for you? Was there certain aspects of operating the motorcycle that were more challenging than others? Oh, yes. For me, I have never driven stick before. I'm also not familiar with shifting. So that was probably the hardest part for me to learn on my own was how to work that clutch and how to shift appropriately. So that was the the biggest challenge that I had personally in terms of the operation of the motorcycle. And in terms of your role in oversight of the, the program and now being part of the community. Is that something that's consistent or have you found that there are, for some, it's different skills that are more of a challenge than others? I'm sure it certainly varies for everybody to some degree, but I'm, what I'm really trying to get at is, you know, are there trends where certain parts of the operation tends to be more challenging than others for the general motorcycle operator population? I think a lot of it has to do with, of course, the the shifting and appropriate braking, especially if they haven't had any type of experience doing that before. Obviously, balance is an important thing. If individuals are not accustomed to riding things like a bicycle, two-wheel motorcycles probably not the best thing for them until they've acquired their skills. A little bit of a leap, yeah. And for operation on the roadways, they have to understand how the motorcycle operates. So they might have to change direction more quickly. They need to allow for more distance potentially for the vehicle in front of them to be able to react. What about the type of bike? You know, I've read over the years operating a smaller speedster type motorcycle is in and of itself different than, you know, riding the big Harley that was so glamorized. How do the skills vary between the different types of motorcycles? 
Well, you're correct. And the different types of bikes out there vary tremendously. Um, you can have some bikes that are a lot more powerful than other bikes. And if an individual is not used to that, that could be a challenge for them. Also, just the handling of the motorcycles, whether you're on a big touring or a sports bike, that could be different as well. So it really does vary depending on the motorcycle and the rider's skills and what they need to practice to be able to safely operate it. And is there any way to accommodate or train for that in, say, the, the safety training program? Because certainly the, the licensing doesn't differentiate. A motorcycle endorsement's a motorcycle endorsement of any size. And yet, you know, you might need different skill sets depending on which of those motorcycles you end up owning and operating. So a couple things with that. Um, there are some restrictions that we have on our license for some motorcycles. For example, if you've got a three-wheel motorcycle and you learn and test on a three-wheel, we will give you a restriction that that's the only motorcycle you can ride is, is having three wheels. Um, the same with motorcycles that have less than five brake horsepower. But for individuals that choose to upgrade their type of bike into something bigger, something stronger, our motorcycle safety program has multiple courses to choose from. So, of course, there's the beginner for those that are, are learning to ride and wish to become licensed. But as individuals uh, want to hone their skills, as individuals acquire different motorcycles, we have other classes available also, which include intermediate riding, where the individual can bring their own bike, and also advanced training, which allow them to really hone their skills and become an advanced rider once they've had the experience on the road. So those types of things will allow an individual to be able to adapt and hone their skills on different types of motorcycles when they upgrade. The upgrading in the community happens a lot. A lot of motorcycle lovers upgrade for new and better, right? Sure. <laughs> now, you mentioned a couple times the three-wheel motorcycle. Yes. Have you had the opportunity to operate one of those to get a sense as to what the difference is in the, the feel and the ride between the three-wheel and the traditional two-wheel motorcycle? Yes, as a matter of fact, the motorcycle that I have is a three-wheel motorcycle. Oh, okay. But I have ridden um, the, the two-wheel as well in the past. I just feel safer and more comfortable on three wheels. The handling is much different. The balancing is not as much of a component on the three-wheel motorcycle as it is a two-wheel motorcycle. And the handling is a lot different. And the three-wheel motorcycle, not to be confused, of course, with three-wheel vehicles. You know, right. commonly referred to in the community as the auto cycle. Um, yes. but the difference here is you're not, you're still not enclosed as opposed to sitting in a compartment. And I don't have a steering wheel. <laughs> you don't have a steering wheel. You've got, you know, the motorcycle controls. Yeah. And so, you know, of course, you can't talk about motorcycle safety uh, without a conversation about helmets. Sure. What's PennDOT's, you know, role and regulations currently in Pennsylvania around helmets and motorcycles? Pennsylvania does require helmet use unless you are 21 years of age and have been licensed to drive a motorcycle for two calendar years or have completed a motorcycle safety training course from a PennDOT approved provider. Also, anybody that's just under the age of 18 and on a permit, they need to uh, continue to wear a helmet as well. So it's really anybody under 21, unless you have had your motorcycle license for two years or have completed one of our safety training programs. 
the other part, of course, of motorcycle safety, and, and perhaps at the crux of the danger for the motorcyclists, is not the motorcycle itself. It's everybody else on the road yeah. trying to share the space with the motorcycle. Absolutely. So that's called sharing the road. And sharing the road is, is very near and dear to NHTSA as it is to us as well in the Commonwealth. Obviously, on our roadways, we have a lot of different users. We see cars all the time, but we also have pedestrians. We also have bicyclists. And of course, we also have motorcyclists. And so the Share the Road campaign is really geared to educating our general motorists, ones that may not use a bicycle very often or may not use motorcycles or have any experience at all with motorcycles. There are a lot of risk factors that the motoring public should really be aware of, and our Share the Road campaign really tries to drive those points home. Some things include just the simple fact that it's hard to see motorcycles sometimes. They're much smaller. They're clearly not as visible as a passenger-sized automobile. So we want to remind motorists that look for motorcycles. They're harder to see. A lot of accidents happen at intersections. So if you're at an intersection, look to make sure there's no motorcycle there as well before proceeding through that intersection. Uh, we also try to educate our motorists about the operation of motorcycles in that at times motorcyclists may need to swerve to go around a potential hazard in a roadway. So there may be sudden movements that may need to happen and motorists need to account for that and also provide things such as safe traveling distance behind a motorcycle, knowing the challenges that motorcycle operators face just traveling down the roadway. You know, one of the things I uh, learned is this idea that when you see a motorcycle in your rearview mirror and you see them going back and forth, you know, side to side, mm -hmm. um, it's not because they're trying necessarily to swerve or even trying to be aggressive behind you. They've been trained to do that to help make sure you're aware that they're there and they're not getting lost in the, their blind spot. Yes. Um, and I have to tell you, the way I learned that was PennDOT's award-winning video that's been put out to help train folks on how to share the road with motorcycles. Can you tell us a little bit more about that video that, that PennDOT produced just a couple of years ago? Well, sure. Thanks, Ian. Yes, that video was a share the ride video. So the audience was really for our motorists out there to bring more awareness about motorcycle operators. And the way we did that in the video is we kind of had a, a smart car, if you will, like we're all familiar with Alexa in our homes these days, but it was a smart car talking to the passenger car operator, explaining the movements of the motorcyclists and why they're doing what they're doing. So you're absolutely correct that motorcyclists will shift position to be seen more and also do anything they can just to make sure that they're seen to increase their safety, such as wearing bright colors and things along those lines. And we just wanted to bring some of those points home for the motoring public that doesn't have experience on motorcycles that we need to look out for them. And this is why they're doing the things that they're doing, which may seem odd to a normal passenger car driver. And really to appreciate the road is so much more unforgiving for the motorcycle and to appreciate that they have a smaller margin of error than we do in a vehicle and really to be mindful of that. Right. Well, Karen, I really appreciate chatting about motorcycle safety with you. We, one of the things we like to do on these Amvacasts when we can uh, is get to know our guests a little bit more as well. Now, I have 
been lucky enough, I was thinking about it, to um, have known you and work with you now for more than a decade. It's hard to believe that, but it's I been know. that long. I know. <laughs> but, but for the folks uh, listening that, that don't know you and only know you as I introduce you as a Bureau Chief for Driver Licensing at PennDOT, which to be clear is, you know, the top driver licensing position at PennDOT reporting to the head of the agency that many of us have known for years, Kurt Myers. Um, tell us about your background. How long have you been with PennDOT now? Well, it's hard to believe in March, I just passed my 21 year mark, yeah. right? So I've actually worked in private industry before coming to the Commonwealth. When I came to the Commonwealth, I started with PennDOT. Um, I actually held a variety of different positions uh, with driver and vehicle services. I actually started in the, the training realm. And from there, I managed our photo license program, which oversees all of our photo license centers across the state. I also managed uh, the call center program where we get about 3 million calls a year. From there, I went and managed our information fiscal services office, which did a lot of the financials, uh, reconciliation, and also IT project support. And for the past seven years, I've now been doing the director of driver licensing position. So it's been a joy, a great career so far, and I'm still looking forward to a lot more years to go yet. And you've also been a very involved, engaged AMFA member during, you know, at least a good portion of that time. You've sat on a number of committees and working groups. Yes, I have participated in the driver standing committee. At one point, I was on a technical advisory committee uh, with AMFA. And most recently, I was on an automated working group with AMFA. And we did a lot of work with that. I, I love participating in the good work that AMFA does. And I, I love the fact that the membership of AMFA all comes together to, to do great things. And I am just so lucky to be part of that. Are you a Pennsylvania native, Kara? I am, born and raised. And you know, so that kind of brings me back to where, where you started, which is the seasonal nature of motorcycle riding in Pennsylvania, as opposed to, say, other parts of the country where it may be you know, more year-round or at least more than probably Pennsylvania. You get about half the year, six months with friendly motorcycle weather. Right. Right. So our peak season you know, starts when the weather starts to get warmer. So that would be your April-May timeframe. And it can go to about October. But for some of those years where weather is really working with us and giving us a lot of mild weather, um, our riding season can really extend from March through December. Have you been out yet this year yourself? I have, but not enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, the weather is turning. We hope you'll get out more soon. Uh, maybe you'll send us a picture of your bright colors that you wear when you're out riding. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, Ian. This has been a pleasure again. And I, I'm so glad that we got to work together to talk about the importance of safety, especially in the motorcycle realm. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for being with us. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to this week's episode. Thanks to our producer, Chelsea Hadwin. And we'll see you all next week here on the Amphicast. Stay well, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Amphicast, hosted by Ian Grossman. Produced by Claire Jeffrey. Music by Gibson Arthur. This episode is brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.